What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Martian and Ozzy podcast. I am the Martian, joined by my co-host, as always. This week, we're going to be analyzing the Font versus Vera card. And Ozzy, it's here. We finally got a Cheeto main event. Can't wait for this main event on Saturday. Uh, how are you looking forward to this card this weekend? Yeah, man. You know, I, I, Cheeto Vera is probably one of the main guys who has been clamoring for and has a style for a, a five-round main event. So it's, a, I think, a welcome relief from, you know, a lot of these main events where I feel it's just wasted rounds at the end of the day, you know, for the viewers, for the fighters themselves. Uh, so more main events where we, you know, can kind of determine, you know, who's a championship-level fighter, um, you know, and kind of get get more more information from them as opposed to if you get a heavyweight or a light heavyweight main event where, you know, you kind of just see who has the better cardio, not really who tactically or skill wise, uh, you know, thrives in these uh, in those occasions. So definitely looking forward to the top billing uh, and, and curious to see how Rob Font comes back from that uh, from his last uh, main event uh, loss as well. Yeah, I'm looking forward to these fights. I, I just feel like the lines this week are interesting. I feel like there's a lot of value on, on all of these fights and um, going to have a few money line bets throughout that we'll definitely talk about. Just a quick recap of last week. Uh, I lost 2.36 units. Guida and De La Rosa let me down big time. I was doing well in the first half of the card, but the last two two-unit bets, uh, you know, shit the bed. Just bad reads there. Uh, no value on either one. Uh, obviously clay could have maybe had a little bit better approach but we saw montana just looked helpless from the jump so terrible read on uh, de la rosa there but um you know get right back on the horse we're getting more money line bets this weekend so we're bouncing back how'd you do yes yeah, so i dropped a unit uh as uh as well so just just one unit lost there um you know the montana you know fight obviously she she was a little bit outmatched uh, physically Obviously, if that second round, that back take goes a little bit differently, you know, Macy Barber did uh, do a good job of staying calm there and, and you know, and adjusting, you know, well to 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 get Montana off of her. But obviously, if Montana gets that back take, you know, that third round could definitely have been uh, a lot different with potentially, you know, tiring out Macy a little bit more. But good performance by her, you know, a little bit of a bad read on my part. But I think we'll see, uh, you know, when, when Macy doesn't have the physique advantage, um, maybe some, some of these faults in her game and willingness to grapple i think could uh eventually nip her in the butt but good good uh good fight by a young prospect and montana you know kind of she showed like a clear ceiling there not being very dangerous uh with strikes and, and and being a little bit too reliant on back takes and stuff like that but that is a meta in uh women's mma so don't blame her for building out like that and uh and clay he just went to grappling a little too early i figured that he would take a little bit of a more measured approach and then look to grapple a little bit later on in the fight but you know that that's uh that's the kind of wild man that you back um, and then with Bellator, it was kind of like just like a wash week for me overall uh, on the track side. But I did did hit uh, a few uh, dog plays on Bellator. But uh, looking forward to to continuing on uh, with this week. Obviously, like I said, you know, tons of uh, tons of MMA between PFL, uh, Bellator, you know, going on monthly and obviously our weekly UFC events. So, you know, looking forward to getting into this card and uh, hopefully, uh, you know, getting back on the winning side. Yeah, so we got an interesting fight kicking off the card this weekend. Uh, a lot of discussion going about uh, going on about this one. Flyweight division, Tatsuru Taira making his UFC debut, taking on Car Carlos Con Candelario, also making his UFC de debut off the Contender Series. Um, so I'll let you start this one first, Ozzy. A lot of talk about this Tyra guy. Seems to be a submission wizard, back take wizard, uh, winning fights over in Japan. But, you know, 
that type of style doesn't often translate too well to the UFC. You think it's he's going to have success here on Saturday, or are you interested in the dog Candelario? Yeah, so I think he's definitely going to have some measure of success. Uh, you know, I, I do feel when when we do get some of these prospects coming over, similar to to Tyra, or yeah, I think Tyra is easier for me to go with. Um, usually they they do have a, a bit of, a fair bit of success. Um, the Japanese promotions they do have do a pretty good job of uh, building these guys up in terms of not not setting them up for failure you know he's had now if you include the amateur fights 18 fights in his in his uh, mma career so that's a a good bit of experience um but you know i do think that there's going to be opportunities here for candelario and i did not agree with that you know that price you know that initial price i guess that 220 then it got kind of steamed up a little bit which was very curious to me uh, especially at these lighter weight classes to uh, have someone who is a uh, very reliant on the grappling it's a little bit tough i think to to always justify the price even though when you do when these stronger grapplers do get on top i do think that they uh end up shining uh, a, a good a good amount um right if you can control guys at the lighter weight classes you typically do have success but it's usually difficult to get there so i will say when you have a guy like this who has shown grappling dominance uh with submissions takedowns back takes all these kind of things it is an interesting style to bring. Um, Candelario, though, I do like a lot of things that he does. He's a southpaw. Um, he's uh, on the feet. He's pretty active. I do think he has some semblance of power as well. But he did take a a, a good fair bit of amount of time off. Obviously, he he took that uh, Altamirano fight on a little bit short notice, but he had fought a few weeks prior to that. But I, I think these guys are going to scrap a little bit. Uh, I, I do think the skill-wise, they are... A, a bit compatible in terms of you know this is pretty good matchmaking and i would be surprised uh to see like an easy round one sub for uh tyra here but i do think that candelario could potentially make a mistake here on the ground where uh, um would put him in a fair bit of trouble but on the money line side i do think i would side with him i i'm, I'm not really interested in laying this kind of juice with uh with a, a young such a young ufc favorite coming in on their debut so I'm, I'm curious to see this fight to get some information on both guys and i do think both guys uh will have a pretty good and successful ufc careers overall yeah, I definitely agree with that last part. I think that Tyra will win UFC fights, but um, you know, with with our nature, our betting strategy, we're always going to be looking to to find some holes in these uh, debutants, especially when they're big two to one favorites. Um, and Tyra seems to have you know mostly one way he wins fights, and that is with getting those back takes. We have seen him hurt one guy on the feet, but if you watch his uh, decision fight against. Uh, Shimizu, uh, you really get to see what his overall game is. And if he can't get those back takes, his striking, he's not very comfortable at that. He doesn't throw a whole lot of strikes. He doesn't really have a, a, a great wrestling game. He mostly looks to shoot, you know, get in on the waist and then just transition right to the back, kind of like Umar and Umaga Madoff likes to do. But Candelario has had his back taken before. He's been in those positions. He's escaped it against uh, Candido. He had his back taken. Uh, and I think. There's another fight, too, where he might have been in a bad position. But, um, you know, he, he's been in those bad positions, but he's also escaped them. He's uh, been able to turn back takes, end up on top. So I think he's a pretty comfortable grappler. Um, but if he does get his back taken here, I, I do see him probably, like, losing the round. I don't think he'll get submitted, but I do think that Tyra's got a pretty tight body triangle, and he could win rounds based off of that. But I give Candelario the striking edge, uh, obviously a big experience edge. We've seen Candelario against UFC-level competition. 
like Alta Murano. Uh, that was a really com- competitive fight there. Um, and, you know, Candelario seems like a capable wrestler himself. So I think he's going to be able to hold his own everywhere. Obviously, he just needs to watch out for that backstake. And I think that uh, he's got the experience, the wrestling, the striking advantage. So he shouldn't be a two to one dog here. Uh, maybe a slight dog at best, but um, I think you got to be uh, definitely having a small to medium wager on Candelario here, two to one. Uh, just a more proven guy. So I, I feel good about him. Uh, you know, I think I got three quarter of a unit on him and, um, you know, missed the price a little bit. You know, congrats to everyone who got those you know, really good prices out there. 275, 220. Uh, I got in at 205. I'm happy with that. But um, yeah, fun first fight to kick off the card. Next fight, uh, staying in the flyweight division, but moving over to the women's. Gina Mazzani taking on Shana Young. Uh, Gina Mazzani is the favorite here. Minus 174, Shaney Young plus 149. Uh, so I get on, got in on Mazzani early at minus 154 for just one unit. Um, I mean, I think that Mazzani, like the Mazzani we saw from the Ostovich fight, should be very capable of hitting takedowns here, maybe mixing up the strikes a little bit. Don't forget, she actually finished uh, Ostovich in that fight with a body kick. And I think uh, Mazzani is just a, the better overall fighter, and I think her, her wrestling game should be uh, good enough to take Shaney Young down. Shaney Young doesn't really have any idea how to stuff takedowns, and she's bad off of her back as well. So I think Mazzani has the tools to implement a wrestling-heavy game plan here. Um, she's not going to slow down down like she did against Cachoeira. Cachoeira is just a big, physical, strong woman, and Mazzani gassed out trying to hold her down, but Shaney Young is not that type of fighter, and I think Mazzani should hit easy takedowns here and grapple her way to likely a decision win. Man, my girl Shanna Young, she's back. Um, unfortunately, I've, I've, I've backed her in her last two fights. Don't ask me why, um, but I mean, here... I don't know, man. I feel like people are getting a little overboard with the Gina Mazzani love. You know, I do see the the path overall, but I mean, Shannon Young's a better grappler than, you know, Cachuera. And she has like some kind of karate background as well. So she's, I feel like she is a little bit more comfortable on the feet. She's had to fight two much larger girls uh, last two times out in uh, Macy, Chiasan, and um, what's the other girl? Uh, Stephanie Egger, my girl. Um, and she got thrown, she got taken down by both of them. So, you know, Mizani, she, she's a little bit different in the women's division. And the fact that she like has like leg attacks, like, you know, she, or like she has pretty good wrestling overall, you know, she has like that wild, similar to her boyfriend, Tim Elliott, right? They got those wild styles a little bit, but she just doesn't look that comfortable to me. Once Like as she starts tiring and I think on the feet, it's just a little bit obvious that she wants like clinches. She wants takedowns. Um, and I think that Shanna Young, you know, she does have some kind of like weird, I mean, I don't know how significant it is, like a uh, female wrestling background, like high school or something. She's got something going on there. Uh, she's finishing her campus syndicate MMA as well. Um, I'm not, I don't think I'm going to take the dog shot on her uh, here, but you know, I do like that she's going down to this 125 weight class. She's pretty much shown good cardio, uh, you know, in her past few, like she's been in difficult fights before, you know, I think the uh, Macy fight was like at elevation as well. And like Albuquerque. Um, so I kind of, I just think that overall, she's a little bit, she gets a little bit less credit than she deserves overall. 
Um, but I think I'll just stay away from this fight just because, you know, the people that are steaming that Mazzani side, you know, I, I kind of respect overall. But I just don't like Gina overall that much as a fighter. Um, so so I, I definitely wouldn't lay the juice here. But um, and if this goes up, you know, a significant amount more, you know, I, I'll definitely consider it a bit more just because I think that Shannon Young has much more weapons at range. She doesn't have great getup ability. So that's the biggest issue here. So I'll, I'll, I'll pick gina but i would not uh i would not bet her uh at this price man i forgot that shana young got submitted by sarah alpar man not not a good look yeah, there that's not good that's not good um next fight uh interesting one here i think we'll have some good discussion about this one lightweight division mike breed and taking on natan levy natan levy minus 183 mike breed and plus 158 uh so the last Natan let you down, you know, Oof. Uh, Natan Schultz, clearly plus EV play, but uh, got a little bit hosed on that decision there. Uh, are you riding the Natan train once more? I think I am. I think I am. And it, it's been interesting line movement overall. Just, I mean, my, uh, I, and I, I, I like this matchup overall because um, it gives Natan Levy uh, a younger guy, not a younger guy, but like a guy a little bit lesser experience as well uh, compared to him as opposed to his debut against Hoffa, where I was on Natan Levy there as well. You know, the first round wasn't, you know, all that great, but then the fight did progress to be a little bit uh, closer. But I feel this is a much better matchup for him overall. Um, you saw in that Hoffa fight, Natan, he he wasn't really getting uh, into his flow very well uh, in that fight. You know, Hoffa would transition off of like those kicks and stuff like that to, to use, uh, you know, grappling, use the clinch, use go for takedowns. Um, and I think it definitely, you know, m messed up with uh, with Natan's flow on the feet. But I think overall, he he has really good entries uh, for his takedowns on the feet. I think he, he has pretty... He doesn't have good hands, but he uses his hands well to set up uh, his kicks here and there. And I think against Mike Breeden, Breeden's more of a striker, like not, not a brawler, right? He's a little bit more tactical than that, but he really wants to strike more so. So I don't think he's going to get that. Uh, he's going to give uh, Natan those different looks that'll uh, trouble him. And then grappling wise, I just think Natan is much more superior to, to Mike Breeden. I think Breeden uh, at times could get a little bit lazy or uh, nonchalant when he is coming forward and giving his opponents opportunities to grapple. And I think once it's on, it is on the ground, I just love some of the stuff that i see from natan levy um you know it's bit me obviously like i mentioned in that uh half garcia fight but i think if he is able to get on top of uh mike breed and i think you'll definitely see a class difference between the two guys uh so this is one of those uh uh matchups on the card where paying a little bit of juice i do like um because i do think that we'll see the best of natan levy here but it could be a potentially volatile fight with Breeden, you know looking to uh, throw a lot of hands and Natan's chin looking maybe a little shaky, but I think a few of those fights, correct me if I'm wrong, he's fought as low as 145. He's at 155 here now. I think his range uh, fr from that karate taekwondo background will be able to uh, keep his feet moving, keep Mike Breeden uncomfortable at a certain range, and then when Natan is ready, I think you will see him initiate either leg attacks, single double legs, or get into the clinch to to then uh, cycle down onto you know different takedowns and uh, ground Mike Breeden and hopefully you know submit him so he doesn't have to uh, you know uh, stand up to like a third round push uh, from from Mike Breeden. But you know I do expect Natan Levy to get his uh, first UFC win here. Uh, I'm gonna come in on the other side, and I'll go. I'll go with Breeden here, and 
you know, coming into Breeden's last fight against Hernandez, I, I had some faith in the guy, honestly. The Romero fight in the contender series, like, mildly impressed me. Even though he lost that fight and got beat up pretty badly, I like what I saw in terms of his defensive wrestling, his ability to get off his back. He was really tough in that fight, took a beating and just kept fighting, kept trying to make something happen and win the fight in round three, even though he was clearly down. So I like what I saw there. Obviously, Hernandez melted him pretty quickly there on short notice. Um, but... Um, I still have a little bit of faith in Breeden's takedown defense. If you watch that Hernandez fight, it's only 90 seconds long, but Hernandez does shoot two takedowns and, and Breeden does get a good job at getting those double underhooks, stuffing those takedowns. I just think the guy has a pretty good uh, defensive wrestling uh, instincts. You know, I think he can stuff a good one or two takedowns. Um, you know, eventually, if he does get taken down here, I could see him being in some trouble uh, on bottom versus Levy. Obviously, Breeden did get in a, a real deep armbar attempt versus uh, Nick Compton not that long ago. So you got to think. He got armbar. Yeah. He got armbar. Ozzy is very, very persistent on this armbar. Uh, but, um, so that, that's definitely a concern. But, I, I mean, if the guy can stuff takedowns and escape bottom from Anthony Romero, who we've seen as a pretty uh, you know, real, a pretty skilled fighter, I just think that he has a good chance of stuffing some takedowns from Levy here. Um, and on the feet, I think it's going to be real competitive. I mean, I, I would give a slight edge to Levy just because I, I do think his urgency and his output on the feet is pretty good. He's got, um, you know, some decent boxing. I think his best tool is definitely going to be that southpaw body kick of his. Um, but Breeden is capable boxing. I like how he digs to the body. Any guy who you know throws body punches is a, a good fighter, in my opinion. And Breeden does do a good job of mixing it up to the body. So I think we're going to have real even striking exchanges here. And if Levy can't get consistent takedowns, I don't think there's any way he's going to be looking at minus 190 in the striking here. So uh, I'm not quite a believer in Levy's uh, wrestling, and I, I do trust the takedown defense of Breeden here. So I'll be going with the uh, the 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 Breeden just TDD doesn't do anything, Breeden. man. It doesn't like yeah, it takes true. him forever to get started. Like, you know, and, and he doesn't, he's not good at cutting off the cage. Like, I mean, when he does, he looks, his posture looks like he's dangerous on the feet, but like he throws naked leg kicks. He doesn't move his head that much. I, I don't know. I, I feel like he's just not overall active enough. Like, he's going to need to land a big punch. And I'm not sure if he does have that in his repertoire. So we'll see. That I is, think it's a good know, fight. Sort of though. True. I, that is sort of true. He doesn't really have good power. Uh, I'll, I would say that. Um, but I think he's. I think he really like if hasn't, you, you know, showed his best in the cage. Go ahead. Like if you watch that Breeden the Romero fight, like I mean the first. That's why Romero didn't get signed because the first two rounds, neither of them is doing anything. And you know the the way that he gets out of one of these takedowns is like, you know, Romero goes for like a very sloppy back take. But I think it'll be a good fight overall. But I think the there's just a, a like big big upside for for Levy uh, if he does take him down if he just wants to hold him I think he will be able to so we'll see how it goes we'll see yeah I mean I think the fight does really come down to wrestling if you trust the the wrestling of of Levy then he ca does have the potential to cover but I'll, I'll be siding with the yeah, the takedown defense of of Breeden here um, but I'll only be on him for like a, a small bet I don't, I don't have supreme confidence um, the next fight is going to be welterweight division. Uh, Guy making his UFC debut, Johan Lanis, uh, taking on Gabe Green. Gabe Green, slight favorite, minus 127. Lanis, plus 107. A lot of action coming into this fight, uh, two-way action. And um, it's an interesting one for sure. Lanis uh, has fought in good promotions, the TKO promotion up in Canada, and CFFC, for my money, the best uh, regional promotion in the world. Um, 
and Lanis, you know, went like five and zero or something like that in CFFC, which right away is impressive uh, to me. Had some nasty knockouts, the contender series, nasty left hook knockout. So the dude's definitely got some power. Uh, but man, I just can't really put my finger on. Lanes' style. I mean, the guy loads up on his strikes a lot. You really see his punches coming from a long way away. He's not particularly fast. Um, he wrestles occasionally. He doesn't really have you know an amazing top game, but he does seem capable of wrestling. Um, but the guy's big. He's six foot one for for the welterweight weight class. Gabe Green's a bit on the smaller side. Uh, fought a lot of his career at one fifty five. So the the size and the power advantage is definitely going to be on the side of of Lane East here. But you got to think the Green is going to have a big speed advantage. We saw Green eat a lot of punches from. Uh, a D-Rod and survive those. But D-Rod's more of like a volume punch type of guy. Lean Ace really loads up on those punches. Um, so I think there is a slight chance that Lean Ace does catch Green early on here with a big punch, maybe finish him early. But uh, Lean Ace doesn't exactly gas out like he's not you know death gassing and losing fights you know obviously he's he's undefeated he hasn't lost but he clearly slows down a good amount after round one um and i think that round two round three should favor gabe green here pretty heavily and the, the speed the volume uh the experience of green uh the cardio should really come into play in rounds two and three uh, but it's going to be close, and I'm not interested in betting a gay cream before the fight at all. I think that it's a it's a dog or pass type of fight before the fight, and maybe look to live bet Gabe Green after a round because I'm pretty sure the size, the power, the aggression of Lanes is going to win him uh, the first round, maybe half of the fight, and then it's a matter of can Gabe Green take over with that cardio advantage of his. So close competitive fight. Uh, I think Lanes will stick around and win some UFC fights, but. Uh, they're giving him a, a winnable matchup in his first fight. So um, interesting one here. What do you think? Cool. Yeah, cool fight overall. Um, you know, like you mentioned, Johan, he, I mean, he's kind of so on the feet, right? He's so big. He, 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 like you said, he loads up on the shots. He, he's slow with them. He kind of doesn't throw them in like a, a great pattern where it kind of, it'll maximize the kind of the speed of which they come out. But the most curious thing to me is like how both of these guys are like, 25%, right? Both of them like plus 300 to win in round one. Uh, but when I'm looking at them, I both see, I see them both as very durable. Um, Gabriel has historically very, very good conditioning and cardio. He's known for that in his gym and in that regional scene over there. Um, right. He got the, the nickname gifted for a reason, uh, but he had a bunch of injuries, right? He's had like torn rotator cuff, I think in the past. Uh, he, he talked about in one of these interviews, about like another injury that caused him to withdraw from the Dwight Grant fight. Um, but I do see the advantages here, like the overall, just overall meta of the approach of Gabe Green. Like he's a very well-rounded fighter, right? He'll throw leg kicks, right? Calf kicks. Uh, he'll throw the body. He'll throw in volume. Um, he's he's shown pretty to be pretty durable, right? You mentioned uh, D-Rod, Daniel Rodriguez has shown that he has power in his weight class. Um, and, you know, and, and then he has a ground attack as well, both with positionally with strikes and with submission. So very well put together fighter. I understand why people uh, want to back him here, um, but you know, Johan, I think he has he has good attributes of his own. I just don't know if he is ready for a guy like Gabe Green that has UFC experience over three rounds, you know, uh, multiple occasions, and has shown that uh, he can uh, stand up to quote unquote the bully, 
right? Which I think Johan has shown to be the bully in a few of his fights. Um, and, and he's definitely sparked guys uh, early on uh, with that, right? So, you know, some of his power, I don't know how much it's going to translate to UFC uh, level competition. You know, that being said, the last guy that he fought on contender was, you know, was a touted prospect. But I, I didn't learn too much from that. Um, and now he's, you know, coming into, I didn't even remember remember that fight all that much like it felt it feels like it happened way long ago but it was only like uh like six months ago or even less um so I, i'm gonna side with gabe green here still though i think that you know the the longer this fight goes on he can use like the diversity of his uh of of his abilities um you know use his conditioning to his uh to his advantage uh and then start to put on sh uh, strikes and potentially take down johan and i haven't really seen too much of johan on, on off his back or in grappling uh situations but i think it's gonna be a close fight like you said i think that you know it's potential for getting gabe green at plus money at some point but i'd be leaning for this fight to go later on so i think the over here you got to pay a little bit of juice but i think it's worth it uh because i do find these guys both as durable and i don't really think gabe green has that much like one punch or one strike knockout ability so i think it's gonna take him a while to chip away at johan so i'd be <coughs> excuse me i'd be looking at that over one and a half uh in this fight yeah maybe uh those late knockout round props for uh for gabe green as well i wonder what lane uh knockout round one is i'm trying to pull that up some prop some books don't even have props the the books been slack like on five to one maybe yeah i mean that's not exactly like an inspiring price but um let's see oh no it's only 350 that's, so yeah definitely never mind on that um, well three it's 330 to win in round one so I, I was just guessing in my head uh what they would put price to knockout at so i i'm gonna guess when they do price it we could double check but i think it'll be like five to one but i well, don't I see, see that at Draft, DraftKings has oh, you, it 350 it right now yeah Ref um, oh, okay well, no value, no value on that. Gabe Green knockout in round two, twelve hundred round three, twenty two hundred. I, I, those are worth it, I'd say. Round, I would Gabe be Green surprised to see Gabe Green folded in round one by this guy. Yeah, I would, I'd be surprised. I mean, he dealt with the size well of Phil Rowe. I mean, he just got to do. He's it mobile too. He's you know he he. I think he's much more mobile than a lot of uh Johan's past opponents, and I think he he likes getting settled in. So I'm he's definitely chop, looking at that. Chop those legs guy. for sure. He's chopping legs. Um, yep, I, but, I uh, next so. fight, we talked about this one last week, I think, uh, Romanov versus Sherman, um, minus 2,500 for Romanov Sherman plus 1200. Obviously the, the leading decision or the leading thought here is that Romanov's just going to take him down and ragdoll him here. But, uh, one thing I saw from our, from our boy Gugabe, um, he, uh, he said, does Chase Sherman really deserve to be the biggest underdog in UFC history? Like, it is heavyweight. Romanov does kind of suck at striking. Like, it, are we sure this isn't getting a little out of hand? And I think he, he's kind of right. I mean, Mike Jackson was able to pull off the the, the miraculous win last week as a huge dog. Uh, I mean, any heavyweight fight being a 12-1 to underdog might be a little off here. Um, you, you think there's any point in maybe tossing a dart on Sherman? No? No, I'll never bet $1 on Chase Sherman. If I can miss out on money, so be it. But we didn't touch on that. That last week, Mike Jackson versus Dean Barry fight was peak, like exactly what it should have been. Like everything that happened in that fight, I'm not saying it was predictable, but you knew some stupid shit was going to happen in that fucking fight. And I mean, Dean Barry's complaining about getting deep. Dude, he gouged that guy's eyes like it was UFC 1. 
Like he was allowed to, and he's complaining about it. And I mean that that guy being minus fifteen hundred. Like I said, against nobody ever should that guy be minus fifteen hundred. But no, I, I'll never bet a dollar on uh, Chase Sherman. You can give me twenty to one. I just won't do it. If you if someone else wants to do it, by all means. But I got no opinions on that fight. You know, I love Romanov. Yeah. He's in shape now as well. That might not be good for him, but I mean, on the feet, yeah. I mean, he's like a left body kick. He doesn't really have hands, but I mean, I think he should just be able to take Chase Sherman now. But look, if if Chase Sherman wins and someone cashes a big ticket, more power to you. Won't yeah. Be. I mean, the, Jake Collier was able to take him down and just melt through him Come so on. easily on the mat. I just don't see how Romanov doesn't do the same thing. So I'll go Romanov submission round one. Um, is that what you're picking too for the outcome? Sub one? Uh, I, I'm going to pick Donkey Smash. So TKO. TKO. TKO yeah. um, next fight in the flyweight division, we have uh, Daniel Da Silva, a.k.a. Lacerda. I, I like Lacerda better. Um, uh, and then we got uh, Francisco Figueredo, Davison's brother. Uh, the odds for this one, Lacerda minus 130, Figueredo plus 110. Uh, you can start this one off. What are you thinking about this flyweight fight? Cerdo versus Figueredo. This is a jungle fight fight, right? So, you know, this is a, a fight you would see on the regional uh, scene. Waleed probably put it together to get uh, Figueredo back on the scoreboard. Um, and, and I think I'm getting figgy with it. And I'm, I'm curious of the line movement here because Lacerda did open as a small dog. Now he's going out to a favorite. But he just looks so unreliable in that Molina fight in terms of, yeah, he um, was you know, capitalized on like a, he caught a kick real quick and, you know, transitioned it into uh, grappling a bit, right? Took his back and was hanging off the back. But as soon as uh, Molina sh shook him off, it just made me very bearish overall for his uh, long-term career. Um, you know, once he was on his back, he did throw up a few submissions, but just his cage awareness was not really there, right? It's very difficult to get some submissions when a guy's got you like squished against the fence and, you know, you're immobilized. Did not show that he had any interest in getting up either. And Figueredo, I think he got a raw deal a little bit with, you know, the criticism of the Malcolm Gordon fight. Obviously, everybody does, nobody likes Malcolm Gordon, but in reality, that first round, Fig uh, on top, I thought, I thought he looked he looked okay, right? He he was uh, keeping his arms protected. He was dropping elbows when he when he had a chance. Uh, he looked to to pass to half guard, and then he looked to you know back out of the guard as well when uh, when he did feel there was danger. Um, and then you know Malcolm Gordon was pushing the wrestling in that second round, and you know I think a tactical error by Figueroa. But overall, I just don't in in the meta of the fighting tactically, I don't think that Lacerda is going to be able to put him in situations often enough for me to be wanting to back him on a money line and for me not to want to be backing Figueredo on a money line just because Lacerda, you know, you look at that second round, not that much in reality happened in round one. And he's shaking out his arms in the first 30 seconds. He throws a naked leg kick and gets immediately folded. So I think Figueredo, you know, he's going to be able to stay mobile on the feet. I think he's going to put Lacerda in uncomfortable situations. Um, and if he doesn't get his back taken and, you know, and held or finish with a quick submission, I just feel there's a lot of upside with Figueredo. Um, and if he can put uh, Lacerdo on the defense, like grappling wise, later in the fight, I think that uh, you know Lacerdo starts drawing a lot, uh, pretty dead overall. So I'm gonna trust Figueredo here for for a little play on the money money line. But I'm, I, I I do want to talk to some people that are backing Lacerda and see or hear the rationale because I don't really see it with him. Yeah, I mean I'm in agreement with pretty much everything there. Um, just 
Lacerda is like a sub one or bust type of guy. I think he only has one win outside of round one in his career. And uh, I mean, it's just very evident. He's going for an early takedown. He's going for that back take armbar triangle. And if he can't get it, he runs out of ideas really quickly. And uh, on the feet, he's nothing special. He had one like spinning back kick knockout, but hasn't really done anything uh, of note since or anything else in his career hasn't really done anything notable on the feet. So I think Figueredo uh, is actually a better fighter than I once remembered. I went back and rewatched those fights against uh, Rivera and against Gordon, and I think he was uh, a little bit better than I thought. I don't think he slowed down as bad as I once thought. And, you know, he is able to get takedowns. He has some decent body lock strip takedowns. I think he is uh, good on top, like throwing those elbows, you know. And he stayed in Malcolm Gordon's guard. And Gordon is known for uh, a good amount of arm bars and, and guard submissions himself. And Figueredo wasn't in, in any trouble there. And I definitely think Gordon is just a better overall fighter than this Lacerda guy. Um, so I'm not really sure why this guy's the favorite here. I guess because he's a fast starter and people are just not trusting the grappling of Figueredo. But I mean, Lacerda is really sloppy. If you watch some of his pre-UFC fights, the guy falls off the top position all the time. Uh, similar to how he did against Molina, he just he gets overzealous. He slips off. He ends on bottom. Uh, I, I think the guy is no good at all. So I like Figueredo here at plus money. Uh, you know, definitely for a bet, probably one unit, maybe even a little bit more. He's gonna have a little window where he could lose early on. But the perfect uh, hedge here is Lacerda sub round one plus eight hundred. Uh, that's just the way he wins fights. So I think that you can take Figueredo money line, maybe a little small hedge on that Lacerda sub round one, and you should be good. Maybe even look to add more on li live bet Figueredo because there's just no proof at all that, that Lacerda can win fights outside of round one. So uh, I think we're due for a balance back spot on Figgy. Uh, just like just like uh, Davison, when he loses fight, he, he comes back stronger. And I think uh, our boy Francisco will do the same thing. That's going to take us to the main card, first fight, uh, middleweight division here. One of the legends of the UFC, everyone's favorite fighter, Gerald Mearshart, taking on no one's favorite fighter, Christoph Jocko. Uh, the odds have Jocko favored here at minus 175, Mearshart plus 150. So obviously Jocko is a, a decision a decision machine. Uh, this is kind of funny. It kind of reminds me of Sirkunov. Uh It's kind of a similar opponent because Sirkunov, a lot of his fights in, end inside the distance. He is mostly a submission grappler type of fighter. Um, and I think Jocko, like nine out of his 10 UFC wins come by a decision. And then um, GM3, 13 out of his 15 UFC fights have ended inside the distance. Both fights went to the decision. He lost by split decision. And that just, you know, perfectly sums up GM3 as a fighter. He's not really a good round winner. He doesn't really put a stamp on rounds. Anytime his fights are heading to the decision, they're going to be close. Even like the Dustin Stolfoots fight, I think he won round one early. Then the fight started to slip away. He lost round two. It was a close round three. It looked like he could be on his way to losing. And then he pulls off a, a back take and a submission and, and ends the fight before he hits the judges' scorecards. But GM3 is just not really the type of fighter to win rounds. So if his fights hits the decision... It very likely is going to go in favor of Jocko. But obviously, if, if it ends inside the distance, you got to think it favors GM3 because GM3 just loves chaos. He's a very opportunistic grappler. He can snatch subs from all different types of areas. And Jocko has been a pretty historically good defensive grappler, um, a good defensive wrestler. But, I mean, how can you even prepare for a GM3's type of grappling? I mean, this guy is just a weird, funky type of grappler.
that is really rare to see at uh, at 185. Uh, honestly, I, I hope to see GM3 versus Andre Muniz sometime down the road. That'll be some fun fun grappling in, in that fight. But um, I think GM3 sub here is like plus 450 or something, isn't it? I mean, I think. Let's see. Yeah, plus 460 on FanDuel for GM3 sub. I mean, that's the way to play him, in my opinion. I mean, maybe you can go a little bit on money line, but I think the majority of his win equity is going to be sub. I mean, I think he has eight sub wins in a row. I don't think he's won by any other way besides sub since like a, a body kick knockout of Eric Spicely way back in 2017. So yeah, uh, like it's only six wins in a row, but they're all by sub. So I mean that seems like a good line right there is uh is um Mirshart by sub and then Jocko by decision is uh what is that? Plus is that like one fifty, one forty? Where is this line at? Plus two hundred. Uh, plus one plus two hundred. Plus two hundred. Uh, no, I mean that's pretty good for a Jocko decision line. So I don't know. I, my ultimate feeling is this will be a close fight everywhere. GM three will compete everywhere. He just won't do quite enough to seal those rounds, and he'll probably lose another split decision here. So I'll be cheering for my boy GM three to get it done. It's just a, a tough matchup against the decisionator uh Christoph Jocko. Yeah, interesting fight here. I mean, realistically, I, I kind of put these guys in a similar uh, realm in terms of like, you know, tier based, like where I'm putting them overall. Um, you know, Jocko, I bet on him in his last fight. I really liked him against Misha there. But if you look at a, lo- a number of his fights, like, you know, they're very close in terms of like he'll 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 welcome like some grappling or some clinching, right? Against Eric Anders, he did it. Against uh, uh, MAB, he did it. I mean, he went. This guy went to the decision with Alan Amadowski, you know. And in that Misha Serkinov fight, I mean, if you're looking at it, you're paying an extra fifty cents, right, to back uh, Jocko here as opposed to against Misha. Where, you know, I really didn't understand that price over there. But here, you know, I know um, Jocko has not lost many decisions. But he also has not been, you know, on the ground all that much in in, in any of in a number of his fights. And if I know something about a GM3 fight is that it's likely to hit the ground in some way, shape, or form. Whether it be, you know, you're going to look to clinch him and he kind of, like, gets on your neck or he does something funky. Like, this guy just, he he finds ways to win these fights. Um, and, and even the ones that he loses, like, these things are chaotic you know, at, at, at a number of times, right? Like even that Eric Anders fight, like, you know, he's landing punches on Eric Anders that you're like, Eric, how are you getting hit with these punches? Like you should see them coming from a mile away, but somehow he doesn't. And, you know, like the Kevin Holland fight, just a crazy fight. Like, you know, the, the, the Duran win, like just a, a number of these fights, like he's always live. He's got a number of third round finishes. So you know, I, I kind of think there's a little value here on the GM3 side. I'm not, like, jumping out of my seat right now just because, obviously, you know, there's a reason for some of this, you know, Jocko, you know, steam. Like, this guy, you know, he's a smart grappler. He trains at ATT, um, so he gets a lot of good looks there. And he's kind of like a fencer. Like, you know, this is a southpaw versus southpaw matchup. So he's just, like, he's going to be jabbing, going out of range, jabbing, going out of range. And he's really good at circling. And uh, sometimes uh, GM3, he doesn't, like, correct. Uh, like cut off the cage well because he's a little slower um but you know i definitely wouldn't be looking to lay this juice on jocko like i'm just not interested in backing a guy like that um 
in in a, a potentially volatile fight but jocko does take away some volatility by like disengaging here and there so i think it's an interesting fight i'm 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 curious to watch it honestly um and i do think that potentially jocko like comes out on top in a, a number of these uh grappling uh situations and and that that that's what wins him the fight but uh, but I'm definitely like you said, uh, rooting for GM three, and I'll probably just pass in the fight overall, or look to maybe get a little uh, live bet in at some point on uh on Mershard, or or maybe maybe even Jocko, because obviously Jocko has that um that great uh decision uh record. Yeah, I think GM three is a little bit better of a striker than people give him credit for. So Jocko's low volume, I think GM three could actually make this close in the feet. I think he's got the he's tools. He's definitely gonna make it. My bad. He's gonna definitely make his strikes count more. And like I said, like Jocko, he he's like circling away a lot. So I think like the kicks, I think kicks for GM3 are gonna be big here. Um, with kind of like and both these guys have a really long range. So I mean it's a very interesting fight. I'm definitely not a bathroom break fight. You gotta be watching this one very closely. And that's gonna move us on to the featherweight division here. Darren the damage Elkin taking on Tristan Connolly. Elkins minus 180, Connolly plus 155. So good amount of steam on Elkins the past few days. Uh, what are you thinking? You think the damage got enough left in the tank to get this one done? I fucking hope so, man, because I do not want to live in a world where Tristan, I mean, like last week, Claudio Puelas, this week, Tristan Connolly. Like, I don't want to do that back to back weeks. Um, but that being said, you know, Connolly, you know, he's been, you know, this has been a year out for him. And I mean, this guy, he has some skills. Like, I mean, that fight against Pat Sabatini, like, he looked awful there. But he also might have had like staph infection there. Like, I don't know. Like the 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 point being here, Tristan Connolly's one in five in decisions. He's down at this 145 weight class, right? He if you look at pictures of him, this guy's a skeleton, right? It's a that's a crazy weight class for him to be at, in my opinion. Not that healthy for him. But Darren Elkins is not the epitome of health either, right? He's gotten his nickname, Damage, right? So he's taken a lot of shots in his career. You know, Connolly, he's proficient in all areas, right? You know, he has a black belt in jiu-jitsu. He could get a few takedowns, I guess. You know, he's definitely got heart as well. So, I mean, this is low-key, could be a banger of a fight, like a little bit of a back-and-forth fight. You know, Darren Elkins, he doesn't, you know, traditionally dominate from bell to bell so i could definitely see this potentially getting sketchy but just conley has not shown me the output all that much even though that third round against past sabatini he you know he was coming on a bit strong um so i i mean i'm gonna pick elkins here but you know the the issue that i have also with him is like he hasn't shown like dominant dominant wrestling in terms of like getting like easy takedowns always right he, he's more of a, like a guy like he hangs on you he like grabs you he's like looking to pull you down take your back you know pull you down drag you down um and you know i think that they these guys could be a little bit evenly matched early on but i'm just hoping that the speed that i mean uh elkins had the trouble with speed of um What's his name of Cub? That's not a that's not gonna be an issue here. So I'm just rooting for Elkins very, very hard. Um, I hope that he can get a dominant position here and you know and start you know thumping away at at Connolly and this does not turn into like a range kickboxing fight, which I do think could potentially happen because Elkins has been a little slow as well. Um, but I'll I'll pick Elkins here. I just don't I, I have no uh I don't I can't rely on 
Connolly to you know one win a decision or two um, to have like finishing ability here as well. So let's let's go with uh, Darren Elkins here. But you know this money line price is getting a little expensive here. You know minus one fifty I thought was 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 good. You know when you get minus one seventy five one eighty, you know, you're definitely paying for the uh, uh, UFC experience of uh, of Darren. Yeah, I got some Elkins uh, minus one thirty eight. Um, so obviously the CLV is agreeing with me, but that that doesn't always mean it, uh, everything, you know. Um, especially in MMA, where the market could be just filled with fellow idiots like ourselves betting on these low level cage fights. But um, you know, Connolly, like you said, looked pretty bad at one forty five. Uh, Pat Sabatini kind of like wobbled him with a punch there, and he just instantly went down from those takedowns. I mean. Uh, Obviously, Pat's a, a tremendous wrestler, a tremendous top position guy, but Tristan just looked like he didn't have much ability or effort to getting off of his back at all there. And Elkins, you know, his grappling is still uh, definitely the best part of his game. Um, but, you know, rewatching that Derek Minner fight, man, I, that, that was concerning for me. I, I, I bet Elkins and then decided to rewatch that after the fact. And, man, that made me feel a little less confident about the bet because, I mean, Derek Minner, um, as my boy John Stargarian said, is, is a mythical fit uh, creature in round one, right? But the fact that he was taking uh, he was taking Elkins down and landing ground and pound and uh, getting good dominant positions had him in a deep arm bar, you know, I feel like that just wouldn't have happened to Elkins just two or three years ago. I mean, Elkins is fading at a rapid rate, but the fact that Connolly is uh, also you know fading, he's also pretty old. He's had neck surgeries. He's cutting a lot of weight. Um, he hasn't had any success outside of the Pereira fight in the past three years. I feel like this is still a good spot for Elkins to be able to outgrapple Connolly here. Honestly, call me crazy, but I think the striking advantage still lies with Darren Elkins here. I know the guy's durability is fading, but his offense, I think, is better than Connolly's. I just haven't, I mean, have we ever seen Connolly like land a hard strike on the feet? I'm not really sure. So, I mean, Connolly was going to have to put on probably uh you know a great performance here to to pull off the upset i mean he's going to have to out grapple darren elkins if he wants to win because i just don't trust him his striking to do so so it has the potential to be an old man back and forth grappling fight but i don't know i still got to trust the uh the experience the the wealth of experience for Elkins. I mean, the difference in UFC experience between these guys is just massive. Elkins obviously a former high-level wrestler um just incredibly tough you know you're not getting this guy out of there with ground and pound even if it's a deep submission you're not going to get this guy out of there so Connolly is likely going to have to out grapple him for two out of three rounds and I just don't see that happening with Elkins getting some reversals and getting on top and doing his own damage so I'll go with Elkins to win a 29-28 here but the steam like you said Ozzy getting out of control Elkins at minus 180 is a no-go um past 150 is honestly a no-go so the value has shifted to uh to Connolly but hopefully our boy can still get it done um speaking of our boys uh next fight one of Ozzy's favorite fighters in the lightweight division Grant Dawson taking on Jared Gordon uh big fan of Gordon as well but uh I gotta think this matchup favors uh your boy Grant Dawson minus 178 for Dawson Gordon plus 153 a lot of action coming in on Dawson the past few days and I think it's right I, I don't think there's a whole lot to talk about this fight 
besides uh, or once you watch Jared Gordon versus Joe Selecki, you see him get taken down. You see him get his back taken. You see him get briefly mounted there. The same thing happened versus Dan Moret back in the day. Got judo throwed, got mounted, got his back taken. I mean, Gordon just uh, his defensive grappling isn't his strong suit. And he was able to turn position on both of those guys. He was able to end up on top. But I, I think that Grant Dawson will have the wrestling to get him down. And Grant Dawson will have the top control to keep him down on the ground. Uh, that, you know, he's just suffocating on top. He's got good back takes. Uh, I'm not impressed with Grant Dawson's striking. I'm not impressed with his, his setup to his his wrestling shots. The Grant uh, the Rick Glenn fight, you saw him shoot these telegraph shots with just no striking behind it. I think if the guy learned just a few, you know, setups to his takedowns, they'd be so much more effective. So I'd like to see Dawson, you know, disguising his takedowns behind some strikes before shooting in and he should get uh, Gordon down. He has great chain wrestling and I think that he has the top game to keep Gordon on bottom for two out of three rounds here for a minimum to win a decision. So uh love Jared Gordon. Just think this is a pretty awful matchup for him and uh, Grant Dawson uh, will be the pick and anything under two to one, there's value on Dawson at. Yeah, you know, my heart, this fight makes my heart hurt. You know, these are two of my favorite guys. Obviously, you know, Gordon's from New York. You know, he's down there in Florida. You know, Grand Dawson, I've been calling it, you know, calling this guy the shot for, for a while. You know, this guy's going to eventually be top 10, you know, potentially, you know, a UFC contender. You know, and I blame James Krause for, for causing this fight because, you know, UFC loves matching up just like old Ultimate Fighter days. You know, uh, Sanford MMA guys for, or Black Zillions back in the day versus ATT uh, versus ATT guys. And uh, Grant had to leave Kraus and go to ATT. So what do they do? They give him first fight fight that he gets down there is uh, against the Sanford guy. So, um, so I hate that this fight's happening. But, you know, if you just look at the history of, like, the guys that Gordon's been beating, right? Joe Selecki, I mean... Dawson is similar to Selecki, but just in terms of being an MMA fighter, just much better. Um, and then, and you know, his last three wins are all over guys that they just end up gassing, you know, Fishgold, uh, Chavez, and Selecki. They all just slowed down a, a good fair bit. Um, and at lightweight, he this is where, you know, Gordon's had has had a little bit of issues as well. Um, and I think it's not the best fight for him, but it's a fight that he could potentially win just because Dawson has slowed down as well in his past few fights. But just Gordon, that fight against Selecki, he was just looking a lot, uh, uh, way too slow later on. And I think that Dawson is going to grow from that uh, fight against Glenn, where I don't know what happened, but obviously, like, you know, something went wrong for him to, to get dominated in that third round. But overall, I mean, Grant Dawson, he's a phenomenal wrestler. He, um, I, I, I kind of understand what you're saying. His takedown entries aren't great, but once this guy's got a fucking hold of you, you know, you're, it's, you're not really getting away from him. Uh, he does throw big ground and pound. I think he has some untapped power as well. And if he does get settled in on the feet, you know, I don't think that, he, you know, guys are going to be able to hunt him down, you know, all that easily. Um, and I think that Gordon here, because of like the nature of his striking game as well, you know, how he kind of builds it up. Um, I think that it's going to just give Grant way too many opportunities to look for the takedown. And then from there, I mean, uh, it's kind of easy to get Gordon down, you know, at, at least, to, you know, his butt or whatever it is, like, you know, maybe not necessarily flat on his back. 
But I think once he, once Grant can get him, you know, down a little bit, it's going to be too too difficult for Gordon to get up, especially early on. I just think it's going to be uh, it's going to be Grant's fight from there. But I do think this could be competitive potentially. I did lay the 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 money line with Grant when he was like minus one forty five. Uh, that's climbing now, but I think it's deserved, man. This guy's a high high level lightweight. I think this guy could potentially be top ten by the end of the year, and I think next year you you see him in some contender fights potentially um but you know i love jerry gordon as well this guy's got a well put together together game you know what to expect when he's coming in there to fight um i think it's gonna be difficult for grant to finish him but i do think that grant by submission here i mean there's a, a wide range of numbers you know plus 700 at, at bet online that's a big number compared to 400 and a few of the other books but I, i'm i'm pretty comfortable with my money line play you know i'll just sit on that i think that uh you know, this could go to a decision potentially as well, just because maybe later on Grant is uh, just cage pushing him more, similar to that Leo Santos fight. But uh, but this is a good fight. You know, I think this is another good test for Grant Dawson, uh, and it, and it gives uh, Jared the opportunity as well to uh, to to fight like a higher level prospect than uh, Joe Selecki in his last fight. Um, but I think that Grant Dawson has all the advantages here as a. Uh, besides maybe like, you know, long-term conditioning and cardio. And you know, Jerry Gordon, like we said in his uh, Selecki fight, where I max bet him five units or so, um, you know, 10 and 0 in decisions. So, you know, interesting fight. I'm siding with Grand Austin. I think this guy's the goods. Uh, and let's see if he could prove it after a camp change uh, on Saturday night. One thing, um, one line that I like, Dawson by sub or points is minus 140. So I know he had that one knockout over Leo Santos, but obviously not a very replicable result happened in the last second of the fight. And, you know, Gordon's just super tough. So I don't see Dawson knocking him out. So I like that to, to shave a few points off the money line. Um, especially if you missed that price early on, you got the good price. Um, but I think I'll, I'll jump in on that grant by sub or points bet. Um, that's going to move us along. Fun fight next in the featherweight division. Andre Feely taking on Joe Anderson Brito. Uh, Feely minus 235, Brito plus 200. Kind of strange matchmaking here, but I still think it should be a fun fight. What do you think in uh, any faith in the, the, the two to one dog here, Brito? Yeah, I, I definitely think it's going to be a good fight overall. Um, you know, Obviously, Philly had a, a good performance against uh, Pineda, but I think he showed a lot of the same, like, you know, I didn't learn anything new there. Like, you know, in just like the six minutes that they fought, you saw um, Philly be countered, you know, off his jab, right? Uh, Pineda chucked a few overhand rights that either hit him or were real damn close to hitting him. He leg kicked him a few times, right? Calf kicked him. Uh, cage pushed him, you know, for a little bit of that fight. And then you saw what Philly does, right? He looks to land a head kick, um, but he's a single strike guy. And I feel like the experience that Brito got in that last fight against Bill, great carry over here as well. I think he's reliable to to look to to chop the legs, you know, as uh, as Philly's out on the outside and jabbing. Um, I think that he should, his durability looks okay. So I don't think these single shots by, uh, by Feely, other than if he potentially lands a head kick is going to be a, a massive issue for Brito either. Um, so I kind of like him here on the money line here at, at two to one. Um, you know, you kind of get some of the, I think, finish equity that, that, uh, a guy like this athletic and uh, explosive as Brito, uh, can bring, right. He can land a big punch. I think on Feely, Feely's there to be hit. Like I said, um, there to be countered, you know, um, 
Brito KO is, you know, 12 to 1 on DraftKings. That's a pretty big number um, given what I said about, you know, Feely. Feely has shown a good chin, though, so I'll give him credit for that. Um, but then also, like, the cage push, right? You saw against uh, Bill Algio, he was able to push him into the cage a little bit. Um, and I, I think that actually Bill has, I mean, I know Bill, but I think Bill has better wrestling than Feely, honestly. Definitely no. has a better jiu-jitsu game. I think he does. I mean, I mean, I'm just telling you, like, from I'm, I, I would be surprised if Andre Feely got any takedowns in open space, and I think that Bill has a better clinch game takedown-wise than Feely. Um, and he's strong. I mean, Feely's incredibly weak. Like he was getting tossed around by Bryce Mitchell, by Sadiq. Like I mean, his bottom game is not as good as Bill's. I'll tell you that a hundred, that a thousand percent. Um, so I think if 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 uh, Brito takes him down, like Feely has a good gas tank, he moves, he's quick. That's going to be the way that he's moving and escaping these things. But physically, I just think that you know there's a lot of advantages that Brito could bring with a good game plan, and I think that he learned a lot probably in that Bill Algio fight. Um, so I'm not interested at all in the in the Feely fight. He could land one of those big bonk head kicks, but I just think that Brito, if he comes with an optimal strategy, makes this fight a lot closer. Um, I think it's, you know, it's favorite to go the distance as well, which, you know, I think, uh, bodes well for Brito. Um, and at plus 200, I think, you know, easy, easy underdog to back and, and not regret it for sure. Competitive fight though. I think, um, yeah, I, I do agree that Brito is going to be the side uh, at the pre-fight window. You know, I think he does have the upside to start fast. Uh, but I think that that success is going to be pretty short-lived. I definitely disagree with Feely, uh, your assessment of Feely's wrestling. I, I think, I mean, his double leg is really good. Don't forget, he double-legged Sadiq Utef like four times in that fight. Um, he did get stuck on bottom, wasn't really able to establish much meaningful control. But uh, I definitely think that Feely has very capable open space takedowns if, when he chooses to shoot them. Now, I'm not sure if he'll be doing that here against Brito just because I think Philly's striking striking uh, advantage here is going to be pretty wide. I mean, I think Philly is faster. I think he's the much better kicker. Uh, you saw Bill uh, be able to, you know, use that kind of leaning away type of defense to be able to avoid some of Brito's big shots. And I just feel Brito loads up on some big loopy punches. And uh, I think the Philly is going to be, you know, much faster, straighter. Uh, his punches are much more, uh, you know, straight punch oriented. And Philly's just going to be beating him to the punch here. The only way I see Brito being able to have a, a, a chance to fully win the fight is to really smash those leg kicks uh, because we did see Brito hit a few good ones against Bill, uh, and we did see Feely have some issue against uh, Pineda with the leg kick. So I, I think that if Brito wants to win the fight, uh, he's going to have to really attack those leg kicks um, because I don't think the wrestling is going to be a big uh, path to victory for for. Uh, Brito, I think he might get a takedown or two here. I just don't trust him to keep that those takedowns for too long. Uh, I'm not overly impressed with this top game. I think he's mostly like a lay and pray type of guy. Doesn't look to do a whole lot from top, especially in his contender series fight. I mean, he did virtually nothing from top position for the entire time he was on top. Um, so I think that we're also going to see uh, Feely just pull ahead in rounds two and three here. So uh, Brito, not a bad pre-fight bet because I, I do expect him to start strong. He has a good chance, like a 50-50 chance to win round one. But round two and three, I think, really favors uh, the experience, the speed, the power of uh, Feely. And I like that Feely knockout round two, round three prop. Uh, you can get this combo prop on uh, on DraftKings right, or on FanDuel at plus 480. And just like the – or if you don't have 
have access to that. Feely round two knockout plus 850, round three plus 1200. I think those are good uh, because I think Feely will pull away late here and he will knock him out as the fight goes on. But should be a really fun fight, though. Um, speaking of fun fights, co-main event time. Andre Arlovsky taking on Jay Collier. Funny as hell, these guys are in the co-main event. Jay Collier's second co-main event of 2022. Uh, so, I mean, we like Jay, we like Jay Collier. We like to mess around. But the fact that this guy is a co-main event is pretty insane uh, for the UFC product. Uh, anyway, uh, odds, Arlovsky minus 147. Collier plus 127. Um, you know, I'll start it off by saying I, I like Collier at this price, uh, especially at this price. I mean, uh, Arlovsky's been getting bet the past day or two. But, you know, Arlovsky, to me, he seems mostly interested in winning two out of three rounds, right? Against Sherman, he won the last two rounds. Against uh, Vandera and Philippe, he won the first two rounds. He doesn't really seem too interested in fighting a full 15-minute fight. The last time we really saw that was like the Ben Rothwell fight, maybe the Felipe Linz fight. He got some 30-27s there. but he has really adapted to being a point fighter to, to doing enough to win two rounds and then kind of just coasting to the third round, uh, to the decision. So based on that alone, backing a guy as a favorite is risky. And then when you think about the fact that, uh, Collier is basically the same price, if not a bigger dog than Carlos Philippe and, um, Vandera, I think that's a bit wild because, I think Collier is a better fighter than both those guys. I mean, he's certainly a better fighter than Vandera. We saw Collier and Philippe fight. I thought Philippe, uh, I thought Collier probably deserved to get that decision. Um, and, you know, Collier's got the volume advantage. He throws more strikes. Uh, he's got reliable cardio. He's landed 100 plus strikes in multiple heavyweight fights. Um, so I think in, in round three, Collier is going to be very reliable to be there. Uh, even if Arlovsky, you know, let's say he gets off to an ideal start in round one and two and wins those rounds, the round three is going to be heavily favored for Collier to win. So are you really sure that Arlovsky is going to 100% secure those first two rounds? Because because I'm not. Like against Bandera, remember that one more on Judge thought. Bandera won that fight somehow. Um, so Collier has uh, the the volume advantage, the cardio advantage. We saw Collier show a little bit of wrestling in his last fight against Chase Sherman. If he looks to do that here, we might see him get a brief takedown on Arlovsky. So I just think uh, Collier has a, a lot of upside here. Um, I think at best for Arlovsky is going to be a close 29-28 like always. And Collier has a much better chance to really pull away with this one, maybe win all three rounds, maybe get on top and do some good work on top like he did against Sherman. And uh, I'll be on Collier here at plus money for at least a unit. So I like uh, Jake the Snake to get this one done at plus money. Yeah, I was thinking about supporting Collier, but I just can't do it, man. Like I've been going back and forth a little bit on this one because – you know, I do see the volume angle and uh, like you said, the market, you know, aspect of it in terms of uh, analogs for uh, Arlovsky fights. But I mean, I just feel like, you know, potential, like just the savviness of Andre Arlovsky. Like, I don't know, like, you know, obviously Collier got that takedown against Chase, but Chase Sherman, I mean, he's terrible. Like, I mean, yeah, he beat Chase, uh, Collier beat Sherman easier than Arlovsky did. But like, I just don't really give much credit to that fight at all. And then in the other Collier fights, like, yeah, he's got cardio, he's got the output, but I mean, he didn't, he wasn't able to push through that, um, that, uh, fight against, uh, Carlos Felipe, you know, and, and he hasn't shown to me that he can win these close fights and Orlovsky at the end of the day, he has, even though he, you know, he doesn't, 
he like you said he doesn't seem that interested right in that fight against um Jared Vandera right doesn't seem that interested in winning that one and you know that third round and you know could have ultimately cost him you know crazy enough but like Collier has beaten freaking Jean Valente and Chase Sherman like I think I have to side with uh Arlovsky by decision just because I think he's got bigger power uh to potentially spook Jay Collier as well um you know and back him up as opposed to you know some of the other guys that collier has been fighting so i mean i think that arlovsky like i think he's going to the level of like his opponents basically like what you were mentioning like he's fighting to those levels like when he fought felipe Linz and tanner bozer i thought he actually looked he looked pretty good and you know the chase sherman felipe and vandera fights he got the win but like you know i thought he didn't look that good but i kind of think that he's kind of like I mean, he's just cashing these big ass fucking fat checks. That's what he really is doing, you know, fighting these very fringe guys, which is amazing. Um, but I think the, you know, volume wise, Collier, yeah, he's gonna be there. But I think Arlovsky, he's a little bit quicker than than like you know Sherman and Carlos Felipe and John Valente. And I don't think that his cardio conditioning is all, uh, that bad actually. So I think Collier's gonna have to do some nutritional work, use more leg kicks, throw some body body shots in there as well. But I think that Arlovsky could, could actually get off to a good start himself. I'm not interested in laying the juice on the money line, but I will take some of this uh, Andre Baia decision. I think that that's a good line. That's very solid. Um, and, you know, I think that his chin can still hold up as well because Collier, you know, I think he, he would need to land like a spinning like a spinning strike or something. I don't think like he's got like one-shot power um, at not heavyweight. At not at all yeah so it's gonna be attritional stuff um so the over maybe potentially like instead of like picking a winner but at like plus like oh no that over is juice it it's is juice. minus 205 yeah so i plus like 130 140 for uh for decision on andre Lusky. i think that's like the line that to me from when i'm looking at it holds the most value um so i'll side with andre Lusky. actually i've been going back and forth i swear on this fight but if Arlovsky goes back to like minus 130, I think, uh, or I don't know if he ever got there, but uh, I would, I think I would entertain money line there. But as opposed to that, I'll just take the decision line for for a little small play to have action on the co-main. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I think the prop side, uh, a Collier at three to one to win a decision is better than Arlovsky at plus good. 150. Solid. Also, Collier did just, did just win by sub. Uh, Collier is sub at 14 to one again. We did see Arlovsky get tapped out with that bullshit no hook rear naked choke from Aspinall. Uh, the be- oh, well, Aspinall's a ninja uh, on the so- mat, right? He he's not bad, but no hooks. Come on, Arlovsky <laughs> should not have tapped out to that. Yeah, Collier's not doing that. Um, so I don't know. I wouldn't. I wouldn't read it off. Um. So uh. Yeah, I mean, th- this fight isn't being priced. Like, the the, the goes the distance prop, it's not being priced like a heavyweight fight. I mean, uh, it's nearly two to one to go the distance on a heavyweight fight. That's pretty rare. Um, but, I mean, like, you uh, you did have some good points. I mean, Ar- Arlovsky does hit harder. Uh, I think he is the better boxer. Ar- uh, Collier is going to ha- really have to mix it up with his leg kicks, the body kicks, and whatnot. Um, Next fight, main event time. Amazing fucking fight here. Can't wait for this one. Uh, we got Rob Font taking on Marlon Vera. Rob Font minus 135. Marlon Chito Vera plus 115. Finally, a main event fight for Marlon Vera. Really looking forward to this one. You can start this one off. What do you think, Nier? 
Cool fight. Surprised, honestly, to see Rob Font back after that beatdown Jose Aldo land, uh, uh, put on him in his last fight, right? I, it's just Twitter was very funny after that because people were like, "Oh, look at all the look at all the strikes uh, Rob Font landed," and you know Jose Aldo was like, "All right, that's cute," and just hit him, you know, and dropped him. But you know, I mean, Rob Font he just came into that fight looking. I mean, people think that this is like a bad. But he was just looking frail to me. Like he was looking weak. He came in at like one thirty three and a half or one thirty four. I don't know. He was just looking kind of like deathly. And in that fight, as soon as he was getting hit, I mean, this guy was going down. Like, he was not responding well to those strikes. Um, he did start hot, right? He was using, right? He, I think he used more leg kicks there. Let me pull up the stats. But I think he used a little bit more leg kicks there um, than he usually does. He went for, like, a takedown right off the bat, which you would think is smart. But then you're thinking you're fighting Jose Aldo. Like, I don't think that's that smart overall. Um, and then Jose Aldo, like, you know, he was able to hold him down, you know, get control time, you know, in those later rounds when he did drop Rob Font. Um, and I mean, Rob Font was just wilting, honestly. Like if you look at his like, uh, land percentage, you know, in the first round he was throwing like 90, 80, 90 strikes, but then that started going down a lot, just obviously cause he was on his back. But I just think that like the power shots, like for him, like he, his power, I think is going quickly, quickly evaporating because he saw Cody Garbrandt. That guy can't take a punch. And, you know, he was able to stand there for three rounds or five rounds. He, he got, got hurt a few times. You know, he landed some good shots on Marlon. But over a five-round fight, I just, I'm not sure if he's going to be able to get the respect of Cheeto, um, if Cheeto's coming well-prepared and how I expect him to. So, you know, I understand why people like Rob Font, right? He's got volume, right? He he uses his jab, you know, very, very well. He uses his, he's uh, uses that front kick up the middle. But, I mean, I think Cheeto has a lot of um, ways to approach a fight that could take away a lot of the uh, aspects of Rafan, like, you know, just fighting southpaw, um, you know, low kicks, right, kicking the calves, kicking kicking the legs, you know, coming up the middle with body kicks as well, or, or front kicks, I should say. Um, and then if these guys start grappling, I like Cheeto's grappling game better than Rob Font's. Yes, could Rob Font shoot in some takedowns and maybe get, you know, Cheeto down? Yeah, but Cheeto, he's shown some sneaky grappling. He's shown some good transitions as well. And, I mean, it when, when it is in the grappling realm, you know he's deadly with these elbows and looking to land strikes. So, you know, I prefer the Cheeto side overall. Um, I don't know if I'm going to bet it just because he is a little bit of a slow starter. I assume that given that he knows it's five rounds, you know, he, he might start off even slower than that. But also, like, I will say Cheeto's not the smartest fighter, I would say. And uh, I think this main event opportunity and like the five rounds and all that stuff as funny as this to say like could get into his head and like fuck up how he actually fights if that makes sense like i think it could like overwhelm him like all this all, all this attention and like all like all the things to consider and then also all the attacks that rob font can put out there so i definitely i respect rob font i don't like him i don't like him as a fighter um just overall just you know not my kind of guy but you know i do respect him and I do think that um, I, I could see why pre-fight he's, he's the right side here. I think I just sit back on this fight, though. Um, you know, I do think that Cheeto could hurt this guy to the body or even with head strikes. Like, just the durability he showed in that fight. I, I felt like Jose wasn't even hitting him that hard. And he was just going down. Like, it wasn't even, like, you know, like combos. And so it was just, like, one shot, like, almost like he didn't expect to get hit, which is kind of weird to me. Um and this is very, very close. It's like five months after that fight. And, like, that was a beatdown. And I saw this guy was, like, on vacation last month, which, you know, I'm not knocking nobody taking, you know, time off and stuff. 
But I don't know if that's, you know, you want to do that when you're about to fight Cheeto Vera. So I think Jason Perillo, he'll, he'll, he'll forge a good game plan here. I hope we see some Southpaw Vera um, and then him look to start getting into that clinch. But I think it's going to be a competitive fight. The line indicates that, you know, outside, I'll pick Cheeto Vera. Um, but, you know, I could definitely have egg on my face and, you know, buy a Marlon Vera brain fart. But, uh, but I think he starts to get to Rob Font in the third, fourth, and fifth rounds uh, and starts to pull away this fight, potentially maybe getting a finish. Yeah, I'm I'm mostly agreeing with you as well. Uh, I like Rob Font. I wouldn't say I dislike him, but I, I really love Marlon Vera. The dude's just such an entertaining fighter. Love his striking style, you know, very Muay Thai-oriented style. Um, just his strike diversity is some of the best in all of the UFC. I mean, he he t- throws kicks to all areas of the body. He throws those uh, long elbows from distance. He has a nasty clinch game with those knees and elbows. Uh, mixes and punches that well. The one thing I'll say uh, that he probably doesn't do enough is punch, honestly. I think that he could maybe work to uh, work on his boxing a little bit, just land some better, uh, cleaner shots to the head with his hands because um, – you know, this this is this is kind of my you know high level thoughts on this fight. Um, that that Font has the more direct offense. Uh, you know, for the judges to recognize, he's obviously a guy who targets the head. He punches to the head most of the time, and Vera's a guy who really targets all areas of the body and breaks you down systematically, which these idiot judges you know probably can't recognize at times. You know, uh, an example is the Song Yudong fight, uh, round two of that fight. Vera's landing all these different strikes to the body. Song's landing big punches to the head. It's a close round. I thought Vera should have won it, but all three judges gave it to Song because Song is, you know, throwing big punches to the head. And that's a little bit easier to understand than all those different targets that Vera uh, targets throughout the round. So that's why I think Font does have you know, just a striking advantage here. Uh, when the fight is is clean, when it's at distance early on, it definitely favors Font um, because I just think that the jab, the straight punches w- will land. And Vera is going to have a hard time early on here. Uh, so I, I do agree that Font is the pre-fight side. I think he will li- very likely win round one. You saw Font come out really hard against Aldo in round one. And like Ozzy was saying, uh, if Vera's a typically a slow starter in three-round fights, it's extremely likely that he's going to continue that in a five-round fight, and it might last even longer. And instead of uh, waking up after one round like Vera does, he might take two rounds to wake up. So that's why pre-fight, I really don't see much of a, a need to bet Vera. I think that he's going to be a live bet spot here. You know, watch the fight. If you start to see that you, uh, what you like from Vera, if Vera starts to pick up the tempo and maybe start pressuring font, maybe the fight gets a little uglier. That's when you want to maybe lock in a live bet on Vera. And you know the grappling is another thing about this fight. I see people saying the font could take him down because Vera does get taken down. He does kind of lay on his back at times, but I don't know, man, I don't think fonts wrestling is good enough to really t- take him down here. Um, I think that Vera will, even if he gets taken down, he'll be able to, you know, land some up kicks. He'll maybe be able to throw some attacks off his back. I think he'll he'll get up if he gets taken down here. But I don't think uh, I don't even expect Font to wrestle here. I think that he knows that his his biggest advantage is in the distance striking, and I don't think he, he. I think he probably learned his lesson from initiating that takedown versus Aldo because that just didn't work and it was just a waste of energy. Um, now in terms of Vera wrestling, I think that it's much more live than people think. Uh, I mean, don't forget that, that Marlon, uh, Marais took down a uh, font early on in that fight, kept him down for a few minutes. And I know it's Aldo. I know Aldo was hurting him with punches. I know Aldo is the greatest fighter ever, but when 
Aldo was on top of Font in those later rounds, rounds three and four. I mean, Font was flat on his back with not much ability at all to get back up. Um, obviously, the circ- Cody, Cody took him down too in the first round. Yeah, I mean, the circumstances matter around why Font was laying on his back in those later rounds. But if if the same thing could happen here, I mean, if, if Vera gets on top, the dude is lethal on top. He he throws elbows from top. He has a great submission game, and he just ferocious. When he smells you're you getting hurt a little bit, he chases that finish better than any UFC fighter, in my opinion. While Aldo was hurting him and it was kind of, uh, you know, staying safe on top, we're going to see Vera look to really pour it on if he is able to hurt Font. And he, Vera will find that finish where Aldo wasn't quite able to find it. Um, so I think the the early on fight will be rough for Vera, but I really do think in three and four and five, Vera has a great chance of taking over, uh, making this fight ugly, and uh, possibly even pulling off that late finish, uh, maybe a, a decision. I think if it does make it to the full five rounds, that will favor Font. Um, and Vera's probably going to need to pull off a finish in the later rounds. Uh, it's a really great, great fight. I'm really uh, glad the UFC finally gave Vera a main event spot. Font's a very worthy opponent. Um, gun to my head pick, I'll be going with Rob Font by like 48, 47 or something. But I, I really hope Cheeto uh, pulls it off and um, gets that late finish here. And so I'll be looking to live that Cheeto uh, Font is the pre-fight side. And, you know, what a main event. Just can't wait for that fight. Five rounds is going to be awesome. Um, and uh, that's going to do it for the pod. So that brings us to our best bet of the week. Last week, we both lost, right, Ozzy? Uh, uh, MDLR and Guida. Both terrible. Stunk up the joint last week. Yep, we stunk up the joint last week. <laughs> so, uh, what, what are you going with this week for yours? Or... Yeah, so I mean, between the money money lines, I think I would have, you know, I was leaning. I would either lean towards, uh, I mean, a lot of the value on Grand Dawson has left. Um, and then my second one I would have probably used is uh, Figueredo, honestly. But I, I I'm gonna go with that over that I mentioned early in the card, over one and a half in Gabe Green versus Johan. You know, lioness or whatever, whatever, however you pronounce that French name, French Canadian last name. I just think both guys look look to be durable to me. I think Gabe Green, you know, he's not that quick of a starter. Um, and I think the most likely finish would be like a Gabe Green, Gabe Green submission if he's not getting caught and has uh, issues uh, here. So I'm gonna go with that. I think a little bit of value at that minus 130 number. So uh, so we'll officially go with over one and a half minus 130 Gabe Green versus Johan lioness uh, i'll do one that you were kind of just talking about i'm gonna I'm steal this one from you a little bit i'll do that that uh that grant dawson uh sub or decision line i was talking about on FanDuel. um that's minus 140 let, let me see if they had that that line east over because FanDuel has been slacking with these props lately they don't yeah they don't have it but it's minus 130 and minus or uh, minus 130 and minus 140 uh, I don't know what the exact odds on that are. I think it's probably. Like, I mean, uh, DraftKings might have that too. Plus, I think it's like oh, plus two fifty if you combine those two, um, something like that, right? Oh no, 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 it's not quite that hot. It's probably like plus two hundred. Um, so minus one forty grant by suburb points combined with that gray green and Lanny's over one and a half. That'll be our best bet parlay of the week. Going with some slight favorites this week after going with some long shots last week, and. Um, That'll do it. Any closing thoughts, Ozzy? No, not too much. I'm I'm not going to be able to watch this uh, fight live this week. Um, so I'm going to be in uh, New Orleans. Uh, so you know, hope to, probably won't be able to live bet much of this stuff. It won't be that coherent. Uh, but hopefully, uh, some of these uh, bets hit, and we got a little extra, you know, to go along with uh, 
with some draft NFL draft props uh, for tomorrow. So that that's that's the thing that I got the most action on this week. So let's see let's see how it goes though. Interesting. Yep, and we got PFL no Bellator this week, right? Um, but uh, next week is the uh, big pay per view UFC two seventy four. That'll be awesome. And uh, yeah, have some fun down in New Orleans. Hope everyone joins the enjoys the fights this weekend and wins some bets. Thank you all for listening. We'll see you all before next week's card. Peace out.